You're listening to the White House and the Press podcast. Hello, and thanks for joining us on this episode of the White House and the Press podcast. I'm your host, Helen Gibson. So far, this podcast has focused pretty exclusively on the relationship between the President of the United States and the members of the news media who are tasked with covering him. But there's another part of the equation that I want to spend some time talking about today, the American public. We might not recognize it at first, but the American people play such a vital role in the power and prominence of these two institutions. After all, it's the American people that journalists are trying to inform. And the office of the presidency is one that depends on the American people. Without support from the public, a presidential candidate can't take office or step into a second term. However, polling in recent years shows an increased distrust of these institutions. A Gallup poll published in August showed that 37% of people say news organizations generally get the facts straight. This is no change from 2003. 37% of people agreed to that statement then, too. However, there are major partisan shifts at work. The poll showed 14% of Republicans now think news organizations generally get the facts straight. This is a drop in 19 percentage points from Republicans' answers the first time Gallup asked this question in 1998. Democrats, on the other hand, seem to be more trusting of news organizations, with 62% saying they think news organizations generally get the facts straight, up from 53% in 1998. Earlier this year, Edelman, an international public relations firm, released a trust barometer that measured people's trust in the media. It found that 15% of Trump voters in the recent election said they trust the media, while 51% of Clinton voters said the same. Following the 2016 presidential election, Edelman also noted a decline in the public's trust of the media, from 40% to 35%. And according to Edelman, 54% of Trump voters said they thought the media industry should be subject to more regulation. I knew people felt this way, but I'll admit it, I was surprised when I saw these figures. I wanted to know how people in my own community felt, so I did some person-on-the-street reporting, asking people in my relatively small southern Kentucky college town of Bowling Green what they thought of the news media. A little disclaimer before I get to their responses. Bowling Green is in Warren County, a county where 59% of the voters voted for Trump last November. As a whole, 62.5% of voting Kentuckians cast a ballot for Trump. I kept this in mind as I took to the street. So one Saturday morning in early November, I climbed in my car and headed downtown, past streets of historic homes and falling autumn leaves. Normally, I probably wouldn't find many people just roaming the streets of downtown Bowling Green on a Saturday morning in November, but today was different. It was the annual Veterans Day parade, and people of all ages lined the streets. After the parade, I approached some of these people as they packed up their lawn chairs or stayed and lingered with friends. The responses I got to my questions were quite varied. There was Deborah Ventress, a retired Tennessee State employee, who thought the news media was biased. And what are your perceptions of the news media generally? Do you think they're fair, unbiased, or maybe not so much? Not so much. I tell you, when I became disappointed with our news media was back in World War, um, Vietnamese War, when they started 
showing on TV the dead bodies of our soldiers. We had not had that on TV before, and it was quite a shock. But we do need the news media. I know that. But I believe they've gotten biased. She said she mainly watched Fox News, though the viewpoints expressed there don't always align with her personal beliefs. She also said she's never found fake news to be a problem and agreed with her sister, Valerie Brown, who was standing nearby, and said she thought fake news was just a Trump myth. But then I also had conversations with people like Brian and Kathy Malloy, who had somewhat different opinions. What do you guys generally think about the news media? You know, the national news outlets. Do you think they're fair, unbiased, or not so much? I think generally they try to be fair. I think they do. Um, I think that most of the good, the good news networks out there will correct their mistakes along the way. Um, I don't have any problem with what, what's going on. Do you think there's a problem with fake news? I think that probably there is on different outlets, don't you? I think there are a lot of people that want to scream fake news when it there may be some truth to it and they don't like it. So. I think what it's turned into is, is when people don't like the news, it's fake. That's what happens. Whether it's true or not. Yeah. If, if it just doesn't match their opinion, yeah. exactly. it's fake. Exactly. So you have to be intelligent enough to figure out what's going on. Where do you guys turn for most of your news? Or do you feel like you're pretty informed? Uh, me, personally, I, I listen to NPR. So okay. that's where I get mine. Uh, I feel like I can trust that more than I can anything else. But, but I will watch news outlets on TV. Yeah, it seems that there's, sometimes they're skewed one way or the other, and you have to kind of pick through and decide for yourself what's, what's right or what's true, I guess, maybe. Another person I interviewed, Kathleen Geldersleeve, seemed to hold opinions similar to the Malloys. What are your general perceptions about the news media? Do you think they're generally fair and unbiased, or maybe not so much? It depends um, who you're, which, um, which newscast you're talking about. There are some, like Fox, for example, that is geared towards their audience, which is very conservative. And I think the ABC, NBC, the national networks, those, the more traditional ones, try to be more balanced in their coverage. And what um, news channels do you, are designed to be TV, but just news sources do you go to for your information? We actually like watching all of them. I prefer CBS. Uh, my husband watches Fox and, and we do, my husband goes online for USA Today. Um, NPR, of course, you could tell. I, I'm more of a liberal. And I read the paper. I love the Washington Post. I do th read that online. Others, however, were a little more forthright in their opinions. This was the case with Diana Hankla, a retired teacher and an author from Plano, a small community in Warren County. About the news media, do you think they're generally pretty fair or honest in their coverage? Or what are your opinions on that? I think there's a lot of bias in the media. Um, there's, we've gotten too far away from common sense and we've gotten too far away from good manners. When I taught school, that we taught children the magic words, please and thank you, and considering other people. And that, unfortunately, we have lost. Do you feel like you can trust um, major news outlets usually or maybe not so much? I think you have to take everything you hear with a grain of salt and use your common sense and 
every person that is an American citizen needs to be able to find out for themselves what the true facts are and they need to be responsible for doing that. It's our responsibility as American citizens. As I got a wide range of responses that Saturday morning, the statistics started to feel more real and the problem became clearer. People who have lost trust in the media, like Diana Hankla, were quick to admit it. And those who still think the news media are, for the most part, trustworthy, like Kathleen Geldersleeve, also pointed out its flaws. Personally, I think this just goes to show the complexity of the news media's public perception problem. I'm certainly not the first person to try to understand this complex and multifaceted issue. Doing a little research, I found an article by Derek Thompson, published in The Atlantic in September 2016, titled, Why Do Americans Distrust the Media? In this article, Thompson grapples with this question, and he gave the following four answers. First, Thompson blames it on the media itself, writing, it's the media's fault. Here, he's referring to biased political analysis from mainstream media organizations on the airwaves and printed on the page. Thompson also refers to the rise of outlets like Fox and Breitbart. Second, Thompson says it's the election's fault. With this point, Thompson wrote that American trust of the media declines with every election cycle, but he notes that this was especially present in 2016. To Thompson, this is partly due to Trump's rhetoric against the news media from the campaign trail. The media isn't just against me. They're against all of you. That's really what they're against. They're not against me. They're against what we represent. This, Thompson said, led many in his core demographic of middle-aged Republicans to distrust the media. Third, Thompson says it's modern entities' fault. In doing so, he cited the declining trust in most all American institutions, including government, organized religion, etc., and those across the globe. And Thompson's final point, when it's easier to find news sources that confirm people's biases, it's also easier to find news stories that inflame their outrage. That's a quote from his article. With this, Thompson points back to the fact that people can now find quote-unquote news stories that agree with whatever their preconceived notions may be. In my research, I also stumbled upon an interesting analysis by Elizabeth Jensen, ombudsman and public editor for NPR. Side note, for those of you who, like me, don't already know what an ombudsman is, it's someone who represents the public's interests, typically by handling public concerns or complaints. This is a part of Jensen's job at NPR. This May, she gave a speech at the East-West Center in Honolulu, Hawaii. In her speech, she discussed the public's distrust of the media and listed several reasons why she thinks it's increased so significantly in recent years. These include the American people's increased distrust of institutions, the fact that more news options are now available, the 1980s FCC rollback of the Fairness Doctrine, a broadcast regulation which required TV and radio stations to provide viewers or listeners with opposing viewpoints, increased media conglomeration, now a few big media conglomerates own many outlets, 
increased partisanship among cable outlets, past mistakes from journalists and journalists getting big stories wrong, the rise of the internet, mobile technology and social media, as well as fewer newsrooms and copy editors around the country, and an ideological divide between the journalists working for national news outlets and people living in middle America. But Jensen said she had a reason to be hopeful. So, after painting such a bleak picture, you might ask, why do I remain optimistic? (laughs) Partly it's because some very smart minds are throwing themselves at the situation in order to understand it better. It is certainly a preoccupation of the journalism profession these days, and I don't mean the many speeches like this one, and the panels that have been devoted to fake news, journalism ethics, and the war on the media. Jensen went on to give a list of people, groups, and ideas that are trying to make the news media better and restore the public's trust. She included research from Neiman Fellows at Harvard University, Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales' creation of Wiki Tribune, a news website designed to bring journalists and volunteers together. And she pointed to other potential sources, including the Trust Project at Santa Clara University, which she's been involved with, and the idea for website buttons designating ethically produced journalism, among many other ideas. Will these steps be enough? There's certainly plenty of counter-arguments to be made. Uh, We will never, we will not ever get back to an era of blind faith in the media. It's just not going to happen. In this intensely partisan era, there are some news consumers who likely just won't be swayed. They've gone to their corners and they aren't coming out for anything. Their suspicions and distrust run too deep and they're not interested in a news organization that presents perspectives that differ from their own. That's frustrating because rebuilding trust will take some goodwill and concerted action on the part of consumers of media, not just news organizations. It's a partnership. Platforms such as Facebook will need to do their part as well. And I uh, get the sense that they are working on it or they insist they are working on it. That said, I believe many news organizations have heard the message and are taking steps to do their own part, assuming technology does not blindside us once again. As young journalists step into the workplace, the issue of the public's trust and perception is one that they'll have to grapple with, too. And it's something that some of my classmates here at the WKU School of Journalism and Broadcasting are already considering. Here's a snippet of a conversation I had with Monica Cast, a senior journalism major, news editor of our college paper, and fellow Flyshecker Green scholar. Knowing about the public's distrust of the media, do you think that affects or influences your decision to go into journalism at all? Um, yeah, I think it definitely does. You know, I think a big part of journalism is serving the public and informing your readers and when such a large amount of people don't trust the media or think that the media is making things up or making false claims, I think that definitely should drive journalists to pursue things harder and to pursue pursue truth and to make sure that um, they're conveying that truth to their readers and everything they do. Do you think, how do you think you will deal with public misperceptions or distrust in your work as a journalist? Because I feel like with political reporting, that's especially prevalent. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely something that I've thought a lot more about um, in the last year since Trump became president. And well, I guess it's been more than a year since the term fake news has really become political. Um, But I guess just making sure that everything I do is accurate and that I'm transparent with my readers um, and that everything that I write about, I've backed up from multiple sources so that I do have that guarantee of, you know, what I'm writing is the truth. And 
I've done everything to ensure that I can, that what I'm putting out there for the public to consume is true. So like making sure you're doing ethical reporting and like everything you're producing is ethically sound? Yeah, I think that's become especially more important in the last year or two years or however long it's been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think the future holds for journalism? Do you think people, reporters in our age are going to be able to change the public's misperceptions or distrust or I don't know. What are your (laughs) thoughts on that? I would hope we could. I mean, I think we're definitely the next generation of reporters who are going to be entering the workforce and going out there and reporting on um, issues that will be widely read. And so I think making sure that this generation of people who are about to graduate or who have just entered the workforce um, are working to the best of their abilities to do things is probably the most important thing that we can be doing as journalists. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the White House in the Press podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Helen Gibson. Thanks for listening. The White House in the Press podcast is a project created for the Flechecker Green Scholars and First Amendment Studies program at Western Kentucky University. To view more research projects and reflections from this class, check out our website at wkujournalism.com slash whitehouseandpress. Again, that's wkujournalism.com slash whitehouseandpress. And if you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes.